Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, Today we have somebody I admire so much. He has, um, I've seen him grow up over the years. He came to the prom a few times and he has just developed into an incredible advocate for other patients and also for himself. So today we're going to be speaking to Jorge Caraveo Gamboa and he's going to tell us a little bit about his story. So welcome to the show, Jorge. Thank you. So tell us, Jorge, a little bit about when your journey began with this unfortunate illness. Oh, boy. Uh, Well, it started at the age of three, actually. Uh, My kidneys failed due to HUS. And and, um, I believe your story is very similar, except I usually tell people who know you that our story is somewhat similar, except the timeline timeline is off. Yes, I'm a little bit older than you. (laughs) (laughs) And did you have reoccurring HUS or? I don't know, to be honest. Um, What I do remember is that when I was a kid, I was actually on hemo and PD and back and forth between the two. Um, And then after I was, after a bout of chronic peritonitis, um, I believe it was in 2001, I was no longer able to do PD because it left behind a bunch of scar tissue. So I've been on hemodialysis since. Since 2001? Yeah, that is correct. And how many transplants have you had, Jorge? Uh, that I know of, two. <laughs> well, that's so interesting. Were you were you were you hijacked into a room somewhere and got one that you didn't know? No, of course not. Um, <laughs> I, there were several attempts, but back then it seemed they didn't they didn't know that I had high antibodies or there wasn't really treatment for high antibodies, so they couldn't get me into surgery for the for the for the actual transplant. And then when I was around twenty, almost twenty one. They told me about cedars and and um, and so they did the workup and um, I got treated for the antibo- antibodies and within what I think six months I actually got a transplant when they started treating me the, the, with for the antibodies. So you that was your second transplant. That was my second, yes, oh, okay. November fifth, two thousand eight. And how long did that kidney work? Two and a half years. Oh wow, that's that was disappointing. Do they know why it 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 didn't continue? Uh, I asked, but I wasn't able to really get a straight answer. They just uh, oh. told me it was possibly chronic rejection, but there were it was really a bunch of other things that led up to it because um, a few months before I ended up back on dialysis in 2011. I had pneumonia, and also when I had a biopsy, they punctured one of the blood vessels, which caused a fistula, uh, robbing the kidney of uh, oxygen-rich blood. And after they treated the pneumonia, they went back in to plug up that hole. And I managed to gain back some kidney function, 
and I, th- after that, it was maybe six to eight months uh, before I ended up back on dialysis. And so now you're on the list for your third transplant, and you're doing hemodialysis? That is correct. So tell us a little bit about, because one of the things I'm so impressed by your story is you're always very positive, um, and you're are, are, you're going to school right now, correct? What are you going to school for? Nutrition. Okay. Believe it or not. And part of that has to do with the fact that nutrition has been drilled into us as dialysis patients all the time. So I figured, you know what? I might as well. I've kind of, and people have told me I'm pretty good at it. I've even heard from a dietitian who worked at, uh, at my dialysis center where I dialyzed that, uh, she told me that I may, I would make a better dietitian than she is. <laughs> well, you've actually applied it. And, um, I, 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 it's nice to hear that a healthcare professional feels confident enough to say that you're better at their, at their job than you are. Cause we, we have lived this our whole lives. We basically have a, a, a triple X master's degree because we've been immersed in it since we were children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're going to school for nutrition. And one of the things that, you know, it's very inspiring is you've gotten into exercise. Yes, I love it. I absolutely love pushing myself physically um, ever since I was a kid, really. And um, before my last transplant, I used to be a cyclist. And one time I actually cycled uh, 27 miles by accident. Oh, my goodness. It, it sounds odd, but uh, my brother was working on my car, and I told him I'd meet him at his friend's house. And I ended up taking San Fernando Road until it became the old road. And I'm like, oh, crap, I missed my left turn. So I had to double back about five miles. And by the time I got to my friend's house, it was too late, and I just headed home. Oh, wow. So so you've always been, exercise has been a part of your life. Yes. And, um, and after, the, after I lost the transplant, it took me a little over a year before I started exercising, I think, um, routinely, because I forced myself to exercise uh, when I started college, because the first day is always the worst to find parking. So I had to park really far away from my class, I think maybe half a mile or so. Mm-hmm. It was one of the uh, further lots away from my classroom, though. And I can just remember how much I struggled getting up, those, getting up and down those steps that first week. And, you know, the longer you're on dialysis, I mean, it's really important or that you have kidney disease because we age a little bit faster. I mean, I hate to say that, but... So I've been told, yes. Um, The way I think about it is exercise can essentially help out with uh, slowing that down and nutrition also plays an important part of it. Um, I actually called my last kidney health nut and those habits kind of... uh, kind of uh, stuck with me. And just just trying to be as, as careful as you can. So let's, let's talk. So you dialyze three times a week for how many hours? Four and a half hours. So you decided to have a longer treatment. Now, was that something you decided to do or your doctor? It was actually me. 
and there's an interesting story behind that. For the first year, oh, do tell that I was uh, back on dialysis after the, in 2011. I really struggled with adjusting because prior to the transplant, I was on the same prescription um, that I was on at Children's. Three hours, 1K bath, and that was it. But afterwards, it seemed the process had been more streamlined. Three hours was the minimum, and all patients had to be on a 2K bath unless the potassium was over 6 so I, I really struggled with keeping my potassium under control, and I could never really communicate with the doctors or the staff about how to... The only thing I would emphasize is I'm already eating minimalistically. Um, I was practically starving myself just to keep my potassium under control, and I was just at my wit's end. Wow. So in 2013... The summer of 2013, I met a really inspirational um, person. He, um, my friend Mikey invited me to a comedy club out in Hollywood, and his name is Shed Ireland. He mm-hmm. spoke at this comedy club, and he told me, he gave a speech, and we actually took pictures, we exchanged numbers, and I thought it would just be that. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, early the following year, I was sitting in the in a room in Santa Monica with a dozen other people, Shad Ireland and my buddy Mikey. And the first thing Shad told me was that you need to dialyze longer. I figured I had nothing to lose. I wasn't getting any answers from my healthcare professionals, so I decided to to do what he said. And what really did it for me was the the detailed information that he gave me. He gave me very specific information, and for me, that is key. I'm, I'm the kind of person who likes details. I, it bothers me It bothers me a lot when I get vague answers. Uh, Shad is a, a, an incredible inspiration to so many people because he's lived for decades on dialysis, and he's super fit. So, I mean, that that's amazing in itself. And I imagine you being... Uh, wanting to be a dietitian, of course you want details. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, this is, and so how did you approach your uh, healthcare team about wanting to become more in control of your care? A little before I met Shad, I started, I called my doctor up and I was fed up with protocol for anemia management. And I called my doctor and said, and I said, let's micromanage this between us. And sure enough, he agreed to it. And I paid attention to what kind of doses of EPO I was getting. And so within the first two years, I was getting between 2,000 and 8,000 of EPO. And then uh, after a couple of years, I started, I started to um, narrow that range down to try to maintain my hemoglobin where I wanted it to, to be so I can exercise and not feel like I'm going to pass out all the time. I know it, it is. It's when you're used to a certain hemoglobin, it's really hard to acclimate if it goes lower. I mean, I think a lot of people don't understand the, the impact of a low uh, hemoglobin. <laughs> and, and what it, it really irritates me when I hear, oh, but 10 is normal. It's not normal for somebody healthy. It's not normal when you've had 
healthy kidneys keeping you alive. And so if it wasn't normal before you ended up on dialysis, it's not normal after you're on dialysis. And you need to find out what's right with for you. Um, um, and in work with your doctor, there are certain, you know, studies that have come out that uh, about different medications and what levels you should be, but it's a guideline. And, um, you know, patients need to advocate to get own their own individualized care. Exactly. So how did your, your doctor re- basically said, okay, uncle, I give in. <laughs> okay, what do you want to do? <laughs> the thing is, I have a primary doctor who is also a nephrologist, and then it's the doctor that I had to see at the unit who I couldn't communicate with. Okay. Um, so my primary doctor was on board. He's always very receptive and willing to explain things to me if I have questions. So after uh, I got my hemoglobin under control, um, that following Monday after I met Shad, I called my doctor and I told him, I want to add an extra 20 minutes to the, uh, to the machine. And so that continued for a, a little over a month. And then I added 10 more minutes, just long enough to get my labs back. And the reason I slowly uh, increased my time was because I wanted to see what my labs were going to do. I, I was specifically looking at my potassium to see if it would come down. And did it? It did. It did. So... After a month and a half, um, after it, the the three hours thirty only lasted about a week, and after that, I just told my doctor, "Let's just make it a full four hours." And um, my potassium's been perfect ever since, and the rest of my labs are pretty much perfect all the almost all the time, and, and- except for a few times a year where. I might indulge a little on my birthday or something, and then my phosphorus creeps up just a little. So you're dialyzing three times a week. So what about that long weekend? Um, Is it a problem with fluid for you? How do you manage that? Um, Well, I know since I have low blood pressure, I have to consume a little extra sodium. But in order to get rid of the water, that's where the exercise helps a lot. Yeah, just sweating, getting rid of it. Yeah. So what are your weight gains in between treatments? I think on average, I would say about 1.2, 1.3 kilos, which is well below my 5% recommended. Yeah, and it's 5% of your weight? Is that how they figure it out? Yes. Uh, 5% of my weight would be about 1.8, 1.9 kilos. And do you make any urine? None. None. So everything you drink stays in your body. Exactly. When you walk into a unit, um, how do you help other patients? Do they ask you like, oh, wow, and I know you probably get this, oh, are you a patient? Because we come in where we're so knowledgeable, they sometimes confuse us with uh, a staff member. (laughs) Oh, it's tough to say. I've never gotten that reaction, but um, all the staff always seems to compliment me and the doctor who I had trouble communicating with um, all I get from him now is praise which I'm still not accustomed to well you are amazing Jorge you just gotta give it up for yourself okay (laughs) thank you you know it is it's it's um, may I ask how old you are 29 I'll be 30 in June and you've been live with this illness for 27 years 
you know, you've been in this illness like me more than people's work span. And <laughs> I think, you know, to just kind of pinpoint this doctor that you had trouble communicating with is, and it's kind of a cautionary tale for everyone is that, you know, if you're having trouble communicating with a doctor or a nurse, you find somebody else you can communicate with. And it's, it's essential. And eventually, you know, he's come around, but he, for whatever reason, just didn't understand um, because you, you were not the normal patient. I mean, and I can say that it's like I get so upset with some of my peers because they don't want to be engaged. Right. And, and how do we, what is the secret sauce to help them understand that they can, they can take more of an active role, which will help them feel better? Now, that, that, I'm putting you up for the million-dollar question. Do you know what that, the answer is? No. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, 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 it's so frustrating because I meet so many patients and, you know, people are dealing with this illness, and they just basically say, okay, take care of me. I don't want to be involved. And they're, they're hurting themselves. If they just put some initiative into taking more of an active role um, and ask questions and get involved, find a mentor. Shad was your mentor who, you know, inspired you. I mean, I, th I think I have a, a, I inspire a lot of younger women and, you know, we all need to find a role model. Yeah, definitely. And so, so what are you doing to help, you know, you, you attend RSN support group. We're so grateful because you, yep. you're, you're just, your presence there just lets people know that you can do this. I mean, I tell a lot of people, all I have to do is show up alive and looking well, and I don't even have to say anything, but if I've had kidney disease for 48 years, well, just showing up is, <laughs> um, I'm, I don't even have to say anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have my good days. I have my bad days. Thankfully, most of them are good, and exercise helps with that because of all the endorphins uh, that rush through your body. And But also, I find to myself, I try, whenever I get out of dialysis, the first thing I do when I get in my car is I try to say some of the things that I'm thankful for, like, just the fact that I'm able to walk out of there without bleeding or that my blood pressure is stable enough so I can walk out, things like that. Mm -hmm. And it, it really helps improve um, a person's overall mood because during my teens, right after high school, I used to, I used to be, uh, I used to be quite a whiner and, and I got a taste of that. It, of my own medicine when I was uh, in co starting out college, I'm like, is that really what I sounded like in my teens? <laughs> so it, it, it's, uh, it, it was definitely uh, different to, to be on the receiving end of that. Well, you, it's not nice. Well, you know, you, it's one of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs is, is you know, you've become self-aware of how your own, actions impact the people around you and how you can make a difference in by your own actions just getting up and deciding to be happy instead of turning on a, a depressing tv show and just giving into that you have the ability to to make up your mind to to change and it's hard 
it's it's not easy. I mean, I learned over the years that I have a hobby. I mean, I love to make jewelry. I love to do creative things. And I know that if I'm waking up feeling a little funky, I have to go make something. That's how I can make myself feel better. Yeah. You go exercise or you go, you know, it sounds like you're into nutrition. I don't know if you cook, but is it? My, I know how to cook a little bit, but uh, I, I really need to look at my recipe book to see if I can make some uh, renal-friendly alternatives. It, it is. It's, you know, it's that creative process of taking care of yourself and control of um, of your illness. So so tell us where you're at with, um, are you uh, trying to get a third transplant? Uh, yes. I actually just had to change my insurance because so I would be able to get seen by the doctors at Cedars. And so that insurance kicks in at the beginning of February and they'll be able to start doing the, um, what's it called? Uh, the IVIG, Rituxin, well, plasmapheresis. Have to do, I'm sure they're going to have to do a new workup because it's been a while. Right. Well, you really are following in my shoes because um, <laughs> the only thing I can say is if you had the transplant a little over a decade ago, you know, they know so much more about antibodies. It's, it's just incredible that... Um, you know, what medical technology and innovation is, is doing for us. So um, any, um, any uh, parting words that you would like to, you know, share with people who are listening to this show and, you know, just wondering how do, how do you get <laughs> the energy to do all the things you, you, you want to do? Oh, my goodness. Well, as a future dietitian, uh, I have a simple philosophy, and that is eat well, feel well. And also, if in addition to the exercise, that'll definitely help in the long run. And for those uh, with kidney disease, try to educate yourself by sometimes um, asking other patients, look for support groups, but if uh, or find a new doctor. Um, one thing that I've heard is that doctors who did their uh, residency in the 80s versus, say, the 90s, do things very differently. Um, newer, um, newer doctors tend to be more collaborative in their approach to medicine, and they actually try to get their, their patients more involved. And it is really about style. I mean, I've... I mean, I, I love to tell the story that I went and visited a cardiologist, and, you know, I have the best nephrologist I've had um, since my early 20s, and he's really like a friend, you know, you've, you've grown up together, too. And it's it's interesting, because I went and saw this cardiologist, and he, um, you know, he was visiting and, you know, going over some different things, and then he said, oh, you know, um, follow me. Like, you know, we were having a discussion, and so I got off of the, the table, and, you know, and down and followed him and he, he he took me to the reception's desk to make an appointment oh my goodness and i thought he was going to take me to show me a chart or show me something he just wanted me out of that room so he could get the next patient and oh no and and it was it was like and i said i don't think so and walked out the door I'm not going to make it, you know, if a doctor says, oh, follow me, like, you know, and I'm, I, I actually liked him, he was personable, 
And I don't think my visit was quite done when he thought it was done. So, uh, you know, that's when you, you become your own advocate and you find, I mean, doctors are in reality more important than your spouse. You know, I mean, I love my husband dearly, but I wouldn't have one if I didn't have a good doctor. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to approach it the same way. Right. Well, thank you, Jorge. I, I really appreciate um you sharing your story. You're so courageous. I'm your biggest fan. And um, I can't wait for you to get a call for a transplant. And so you can pee all you can pee. Oh, yeah, definitely. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.